Ah, let there be light. <laughs> Thank you, guys. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me in um, the book of Psalms. This is where the word begins this morning. Uh, we'll be looking at several passages of Scripture. But Psalms 138 and verse 8. So while you're turning to that, I, um, I probably, I, I think it's probably certain that most of you, if not all of you, have heard multiple times the commercial, the Capital One commercial uh, that, uh, that comes on so often. It's going to be a classic, going to be considered a classic in years to come because they end that commercial with what we call a stinger, and that stinger is a question. You've heard this question many times. What's in your wallet? No, your pastor's not concerned about what's in your wallet right now. But I am concerned for the answer to this question, what's in your heart? Because what is in our heart is going to determine exactly how we are going to be living our lives. I came across this quote in my study this week where the statement was made was, was that one of the greatest tragedies of life was a wasted life. We need to be reminded from time to time that not a single one of us are an accident. Before well, we were conceived by our parents, we were conceived in the very heart and mind of God according to scripture. And it is he who chose that we would have life. But in choosing us to have life, he just didn't want us to exist. <clears throat> God has a plan and purpose behind everything that he has created. Then that is especially true of you and, and of me. And so the key question is, what's in our heart? That is, what is driving us and how we're going to be living our lives? Now, we could say this, for obviously those who have never trusted Christ uh, as their personal Lord and Savior, you would have to say the greatest tragedy in life would be death. Because once death comes, having never received Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, the door is shut. There is no longer any provision for the guilt of our sins. There's no longer a promise of heaven and eternal life with the Lord. It's just a, a personal, internal, uh, eternal separation from God in that awful place, created for Satan and his demons, but find everybody who rejects Christ finds their way there, and that place is called hell. And so in a sense, though, God thought them up and gave them life and had a purpose and plan for their life. They never discovered him. They never received him. They never were able to find out what that plan and purpose was. And so even though they had life, it was a wasted life. But then for us who are followers of Christ, true followers of Christ, then the question is how do we live from that point forward having received Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. We have the assurance, we have the knowledge that, you know, to us, death is not a tragedy at all because we know when the life ends here, there's heaven there. And we have that assurance given to us by Christ himself, by the Lord in the scriptures. But so what are we gonna do in that in-between time when we become a child of God and we are to live as children of God is our life really going to count for Christ? And it has a lot to do with what's going on in our heart. Here in Psalms 138 and in verse 8, 
Uh, this is David. And, and you know, David was a man that committed some very serious sins in his life. He was convicted of those sins by the Holy Spirit. He confessed those sins. He received forgiveness. But here's the key to David. David had an incredible heart for God. And so he writes this in verse 8. He says, the Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Then he says, your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Even though David, like us, had some ups and downs in his walk, and we have all confessed to the reality, yet we're followers of Christ, if you've accepted Christ, and you have uh, times where um, you choose, and I have chosen to go against the will of God in our lives. We have sinned against the Lord. We have his incredible forgiveness, so we praise him for that. That's not an excuse for us to go out and live the way we want to, obviously, but the question simply is that are we like David? Even though David had those realities in his life, man, he had a heart for God, and he wanted his life to count for the kingdom of God. And so we have two statements here in verse 8. Number one, he is very emphatic. Notice it says, the Lord will accomplish what concerns me. What does he mean by that? He's talking about, well, what God has planned for me. And in other words, my life is not going to be a waste. There is a purpose and God is working in me. How can he be so sure of that? Well, he can be sure because what was in his heart. And he had such a heart for God that God on one occasion described David, many of you know this, as a man after his own heart, meaning the Lord's own heart. So the question today is not really what's in your wallet. You may be concerned about that, but I'm not concerned about that. I'm worried and concerned about for myself and for all of us, what's in our heart? What is our attitude? Even as followers of Christ, what is our attitude in living our lives for him? The Lord took me to Philippians chapter 2. So if you take your Bibles or you're using your iPad, whatever, just follow along. Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 5. Here Paul reveals what kind of attitude we should really have uh, in our hearts. And so he says this. He says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. I've had a blessed week in that. I've had the, the privilege to talk uh, to some incredible children this week about the Lord. And uh, actually, and then a young teenage girl uh, also about accepting Christ, following that in baptism. It's just been an awesome week for me. And, and I love talking to children because their, their faith is, is, is simple, but it's powerful. It's the way it should be. And when I talk to children, I don't ask yes to no questions. That's easy. I ask open-ended questions because I want to hear their heart. I want to know what they understand. I want to I know what they're, what they're thinking about and feeling about when we talk about Jesus and talk about uh, receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so in a couple of weeks, we may have four, five, six, seven, even possibly up to nine baptisms. So praise the Lord. Amen. But one of the things we get to is talking about, and we, we teach our children this. We use it a lot even among adults, but to help them understand, we talk about asking Jesus 
into their heart, receiving him as personal Lord and Savior. Well, if that is true, and it is, and if that's been true of your life, and it is true of my life at, at the age of seven, then if Jesus is in my heart, is the attitude of Jesus in my heart. That's what I'm trying to get at right now, especially in terms of, of the life that we're living now and in the times that we are living in with the, the chaos of the pandemic uh, that is out there, uh, so much of corruption we're beginning to see, it's beginning to come out in terms of uh, politics and every level uh, of our country and, and the hatred and the anger, the bitterness. We talk about this often, but it's just, it's overwhelming to me. I have to cut it off. I, I can't go there on the internet to hear that, to read that, because it just overwhelms me. I don't know how it overwhelms you, but I, I, I got to the point where I said, well, how do we, how do our lives count for Christ in the culture we're dealing with right now? What does that look like? What kind of attitude do I got to have? I shared a story, uh, I can't remember how long ago, but I want to go back to it now. It's the story of Admiral Hyman Rickover. Mark, I know you would be very familiar with him. He is often referred to as the father of our nuclear navy. And uh, specifically in terms of nuclear submarines, Mark. Now, his idea when it first broke, come up was not received well, and he wasn't treated well, but he persevered through all of that, and it's one of the reasons we have what we have today in terms of arsenal and things of that nature when it comes to uh, nuclear submarines and the nuclear navy. But one of the things he loved to do was that he loved to interview uh, navy cadets as they were uh, coming to the end of their time at the academy. They were, they were going to move on from there. And so he liked to interview them to find those that, that he could then encourage and recommend to actually serve on a nuclear submarine. And in one interview that he had with a young guy, and this guy was telling the, uh, testifying this later, uh, after several hours of just talking and this young cadet was trying to impress him with everything he knew, all of this stuff, and finally, uh, the admiral just looked at him and said, I just got one question. He said, when you were going through school, starting with grammar school, moving all the way up through the academy, did you always give your best? And the young cadet said, I just sat there in silence. Because I wanted to say yes. But I knew that was a lie. So I finally just looked at him and said, no, sir. And he says, he got right up in my face, looked into my eyes and said, why not? Now that sounds like a simple question. But that question changed the attitude that day and the life that day of that young cadet who one day became our 39th president you know him as President Jimmy Carter of the United States of America. What changed his attitude? And so I started thinking about how, 
what a changed attitude made in his life, what a, what a difference the attitude David had in his life. And this verse in Philippians 2, 5, have this attitude in you that was in Christ. And I said, Lord, just show me what that looks like in our day and time with what we're dealing with. And he led me to, oddly, uh, another passage of Scripture, 2 Timothy. I'd like for you to turn there with me. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And I want to read these two verses and then share with you three attitudes that I think is absolutely essential for us today as followers of Christ for our life to count, for our life to make a difference now that we know Christ is our own Lord and Savior. Are we living our life for him? Let me read it and go back and just share some, some thoughts with that. He, uh, Paul writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, and he says in verse 3, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier and active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Three attitudes. First of all, the attitude of surrender. The attitude of surrender. Paul writes in verse 3, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. What's he talking about? He's talking about persecution. He's talking about how incredibly important it is that followers of Christ not only speak the truth of God, but stand unmovable in living out the truth of God, knowing that you're going to be persecuted for it. Now, persecution has existed from, obviously, in the time of Paul and, and all through the ages. But we, we're living in a culture now with, and the hunters will understand this, and maybe everybody does, where now it's becoming open season. You know what I'm talking about? Open season to criticize and to persecute those who speak the truth of God and who stand for the truth of God and live it out in their daily realities and responsibilities. Some of it's verbal, but it's not all verbal. It's becoming more and more. You begin to see expanding more and more, and it's just getting started where, you know, you can lose your job or you, you will be kind of mocked and set aside and, and, and be undermined and even how you're doing their job, where you are. If they can't fire you, they will undermine what you're doing. And of course, now verbally, whether it's, you know, I mean, even on Twitter, you know, Dr. James Dotson has been shut down on Twitter. Why? Because he speaks truth. And he lives truth. We know that. And he's just one example of many. It's just, it's just beginning to happen. And, and, and if you don't know that, then obviously you must be living with your head in the sand because it is out there, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And yet, our lives 
are supposed to make a difference. Our lives are supposed to count for Christ. And so the question is, uh, where are we? What's in our heart? Do we even have the faith? You know, one of the problems we have is that we're, we're just spoiled. I'm just going to be honest with you. We are literally spoiled. It has been so easy in the United States of America through all of these years to know the Lord, to live for the Lord, to speak the truth of the Lord. And now, all of a sudden, the pressure's on. And it just breaks my heart to see so many believers just that quickly thrown in the towel. Just melting to the pressure. Churches melting to the pressure that is coming at them. And it's just now really beginning to unfold. It actually began, I'll just shoot straight, it began uh, really strong in the Obama administration and now in the Biden administration, just shooting straight with you. It's the same group of people, nothing has changed and they have an agenda. So the question is, what's in your heart? Are you willing to surrender are you willing to take that stand, totally surrender to Christ, and just leave all the circumstances up to him? Listen, we can talk about the vaccine all you want when it comes to this pandemic, but we have a greater pandemic. I believe you understand that in our country, and the only vaccine for that is children of God who profess to know God and know Christ to have that attitude of surrender to take that stand unmovable and just leave everything else into the hands of our Lord, our way maker, our miracle worker. Jesus says this in John chapter 15 and in verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Ultimately, he's talking about him laying his life down for us. And we may not be at that point where our lives are at stake. Could be, though. We're moving in that direction. Do I have a witness on that? We're moving in that direction. But the most important thing is, are you willing to have to surrender whatever just to be true to your king who's king forever? To surrender whatever to stand for the truth of the Word of God. Whether it's in politics, Ashley, and the bill that was just signed and passed. Hallelujah for that. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand about abortion, about life. Hallelujah. And, and she can testify it's real, isn't it, Ashley? Uh, people coming after her and everybody who took that stand for life. It's real. But you know, my life has been easy. It really has. You know, the only persecution that I think I could actually call persecution was when I was in college and at the University of South Carolina and uh, lived in the roost, uh, the, uh, uh, the athletic dorm, particularly for football and baseball players and all. And, and we were mocked constantly. Those of us who were involved in the fellowship of Christian athletes, we were mocked often, except when they had a need. You know who they called? They come knock on our doors. Hey, I, I got a problem. 
Otherwise, that's all I've ever really faced. And so we have become weak in faith. But if we are going, if our lives are going to count, not be wasted as followers of Christ, we've got to have that attitude of surrender. Notice the second thing as we look back into this text in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. Not only attitude of surrender, but an attitude of sacrifice. But maybe not what you're thinking. Here's what he says. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. Well, we've got to live everyday life. And everyday life has its realities. Everyday life has its responsibilities. So what is he talking about here? Well, there are two key phrases. Phrase number one, active service. When are you in active service as a follower of Christ? Sundays? Wednesdays? Sunday nights? It's 24-7. You know that, don't you? It's 24-7. Once you invite Christ into your life and you receive this incredible gift of forgiveness and the gift of eternal life and the gift of the Holy Spirit coming to indwell you, you are a servant of the Lord 24-7. So what's he saying? What's he trying to get across to us here? Well, he, the key word there is that word entangled. It means to weave tightly uh, together, uh, to intertwine. So here's what he's saying. Listen to me carefully. As an active servant 24-7, I've got to be wise enough. Are you listening to Amen. I have to be wise enough not to weave into my life so many things that when the Lord says, I need you to do this, you have to look at him and say, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm committed to this and I'm committed to this and I'm committed to this. this. We're not talking about things of the Lord. We're just talking about things of the world. Now listen, I'm not sitting here talking about sin versus things that, that are not sinful. I'm just talking about things of life. Pleasurable things. They're not sinful. They, I, listen, it should be obvious if it's sinful, it shouldn't be in your life. Do I have a witness on that? Come on. But so many and I have been there and done this. Weave so many things into our lives. And the Lord says, I need you right now. And you have to look at the Lord and say, sorry, I can't. I need you for this season. Sorry, I can't. I just need you for this day. Sorry. I can't. Instead of being able to say, yes, Lord, send me. Yes, Lord, send me. Being a servant 24-7 means that I stay alert. I'm always ready. 
and I do everything to keep my life as free as possible. So whenever the Lord touches me, he says, I need you right now. I, I got this person right over here, right I'm sorry, I mean, Lord, I can't. Because I have committed myself to all these things of the world. I can't help you in your kingdom. Jesus says in Matthew 6, seek you first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. If our lives are gonna count, make a difference, we gotta have in our hearts, what's in your heart? An attitude of surrender, an attitude of sacrifice, and an attitude, lastly, of sincerity. Verse four, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. People generally fall into three categories. Sometimes their life is divided in several of these categories, but it generally falls into these three. They're self-pleasers. They're just living for themselves. Everything is about them. They're man-pleasers. You know, they just live to please everybody else. They don't want anybody upset with them and, and all of that. So they're just, there are man-pleasers. But then there's Jesus pleasers. And that's what we're talking about today. Not a self pleaser, not a man pleaser. We're not living for ourselves, we're not living for others. We're living for Jesus. To please him in our lives. What's in your heart? Romans chapter 12 and verse one. It, you know, there's certain verses in Scripture that is called anchor verses, and this is one of them because there's so much, everything else is taught comes out under from them in terms of what, because it's so powerful what it says. Here's what Romans 12, 1 says. Is, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Listen carefully. What we've been doing this morning is, we call this a worship service. We had one at nine o'clock. Practically every Sunday, you know, we have worship services, which is pleasing to the Lord. I mean, it's being obedient. He says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. He wants us together. He wants us to be those embers that keep the fire going. Catherine had a beautiful fire in the fireplace last night, and you could just, you could just see those embers and how they were drawing fire. So this is incredibly important to have these times. We call them worship services. It's time to worship and exalt the Lord together. But let me tell you what God's looking for in addition to that. This is just one part. Not worship services, but also worship servants. 
What's a worship servant? Has an attitude of sincerity. Lives to please Jesus in their life because they want their life to make a difference because he's made a difference in my life. I want him to make a difference in your life. I want him to make a difference in others' lives. In other words, they want to be that living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So the question is not, what's in your wallet? The question is, what's in your heart? An attitude of surrender, an attitude of sacrifice, an attitude of sincerity. We're going to have a time for you to deal with that in your own life today. We'll have something we only had during revival since March of last year. We'll have an invitation. I want you to bow your heads and just close your eyes in a spirit of prayer. And I want you to, like I had to, and we must constantly to remain alert and ready and be available to be truthful about where we are, what's really in our heart.